Welcome to the Second Reading Podcast from the University of Texas at Austin. The Republicans were in the Democratic Party because there was only one party. So I tell people on a regular basis, there is still a land of opportunity in America. It's called Texas. The problem is these departures from the Constitution, they have become the norm. At what point must a female senator raise her hand or her voice to be recognized over the male colleagues in the room? And welcome back to the Second Reading Podcast. I'm Jim Henson, director of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin. Happy to be joined on, you know, for us, kind of an exciting day by Josh Blank, research director for the Texas Politics Project. Hi. Exciting is maybe a strong word, but, you know, energetic, energizing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, energizing. I think exciting is fine. Yeah, you know, we we can admit we get excited by these things. I think that's good. This is good. I like this. This is building tension. Right. Excitement in the audience. So, you know, (laughs) as you might imagine, we have some new polling data. We, they know, our listeners there know what actually yeah. excites us, I think. So, so we have some new uh, polling data from a new University of Texas, Texas Politics Project poll that shed some light and maybe, you know, some shadows on the dominant story right now in Texas politics, which is, of course, the impeachment trial of suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton, which is set to begin in the Texas Senate on September 5th, right after Labor Day. The data was collected from August 18th to the 29th, so it's very fresh. Uh, Essentially from last week, we're recording on Thursday, and you should be hearing this at the earliest on Friday. We've excerpted the Paxton data from that poll for early release, given that the trial is coming up after the long weekend. And so, parenthetically, keep an eye out next week for the rest of the data that we did do our usual complete poll, 15-minute poll, uh, which has a lot of very interesting kind of zeitgeisty Mm. results. Uh, At least that's how it was written. Zeitgeisty. Um, How we were thinking about it (laughs) at the time, in addition to, you know, usual issues of the moment and at our trend data, et cetera. So for today, with the Paxton trial looming large, let's dive right into it. Let's just start by looking at the top lines on the main questions that we've released relating to Ken Paxton. So why don't you start us out on that, Josh? Yeah, let's let's get let's let's dispense with the foreplay. <laughs> you know, let's go straight to the question. You know, do you think that Ken Paxton took actions while Attorney General that justify removing him from office? So from our sample of registered voters, what we found was 47% said yes. Ken Paxton has taken actions while Attorney General that justify removing him from office. 18% said no. 35% said, don't know, no opinion. So, you know, a strong plurality saying yes, with a, you know, a, a significant portion about, you know, a little more than a third of the electorate saying, you know, at this point, you know, they don't, they don't know. They're not sure. Right. Uh, should we jump into the partisans or do you want to um, just stick with the Well, let's go one? back to the partisans. I mean, yeah, you know, jump into the partisans as long yeah, as we're I here. Think, we'll I come think we, back and do something with it. I think we need to just to, to, to unpack that number a little more anyway. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So it's unsurprising to find, you know, most Democrats, 71% say yes, Ken Paxton, you know, has done things that justify removing from office. Only 8% say no. Only about one in five don't have an opinion on that. Among Republicans, what you find is, you know, a big split. And this is going to be a pretty consistent pattern here. 43%, the plurality, had no opinion yet. They're not they're not sure whether he's done anything as Attorney General that justify removing him from office. But nearly a quarter, 24% say yes, he has and should be removed. 32%, about a third, say no, he hasn't. So it's pr- pretty even. 
Among independents, the the numbers are a little bit more lopsided uh, against Ken Paxson, though, again, with a large share of the plurality, 44% saying they don't have an opinion. But 42% say that he should be removed from office with only 14% saying that he shouldn't. And this is probably, you know, we do this all the time where we provide the methodological note that, you know, our our mode of approaching this, those independents are what we call true independents. So we have taken people that initially identify, respondents who initially identify as independent, but then on a follow-up say that they lean towards one of the parties. And we have folded the leaners into the partisans and- Looking at, you know, we don't have to crawl down this rabbit hole right now, but in looking at some of the seven point numbers, this is another one of those cases where if somebody asks us why we do that, I would show them this data. Yeah, exactly. You know, all I mean by that is the, the independents that say that they lean one way or the other look more like the strong partisans than they do the weak partisans, let alone the true independents. Yeah. And there's a whole long discussion and engagement going about right. on in the universe of political science elsewhere about whether you should do that or not. But from the standpoint of just studying public opinion, what Jim said, I think, is is the, the operative point at this point. Anyway, moving on. You know, we repeated a question that we asked back in June, whether or not uh, the Texas House was justified in impeaching Attorney General Ken Paxson. And interestingly here, what we found was from June to August, despite you know all the attention, all the coverage, the, you know, the document dump, uh, everything else, these numbers did not move. Uh, 50% of Texans, Texas voters in June said that the House was justified in impeaching Ken Paxson. In August, 50% say that is, they are justified. In fact, the numbers are exactly the same. 17% say they were not justified in both polls. And 33% a third don't know. So those numbers have sat, and we'll come back to that, but that's it's sort of interesting in and of itself. And then the other sort of big top line, you know, number is Praxton approval. And this is maybe, you know, one of the you know spicier results in some ways. Right now, you know, without getting we'll get into some of the details of this. Overall, Paxton's job approval right now set, sits at 27% approve, 46% disapprove for a net of negative 19. Now, among Democrats, not surprisingly, 69% disapprove, 12% approve. Uh, but among Republicans, you know, we see 46% approving to 23% disapproving, which is, you know, it doesn't sound terrible on its face, but when you start to look into the trend data and, and what we've seen in the past, it's it's not a good look. Right. Both Kent. trend and intensity. Uh, yeah. You know, only 21% of those Republicans say that they approve strongly. That about a fifth of Republicans is an interesting kind of marker in a couple of different ways. Right. right. So so some takeaways from the results. What do you know, what do we make about the make of this? I mean, you know, I think as Josh said in looking in talking about the some of the numbers he just that he just, you know, shared with you, despite the preoccupation with this, you know, bit unambiguously big historical yeah. moment. Among people that are in or near the process, or you know, probably <laughs> listen to this podcast, for sure, you know, political junkies, if you want to use that term, you know, our indicators of attention to the matter remained really very static. So we may have spent our summer, and by we, it's the yeah, the, the collective we, yeah. Josh and I, and all of you out there, yeah, um, our friends. <laughs> we may have spent our summer thinking about this and anticipating the trial and parsing it, you know, around the pool, over beers, over meals. It just, but it hasn't gained in salience to most Texans. Yeah. And this is something that, you know, I think, you know, I I hate when this happens, but I also somewhat hardened by it, you know, and and that's probably reasonable. 
you know, we think about the time frame we're talking about here. We're talking about from from June to August. We're talking about the dog days of summer. We're talking about a time when you know most people we 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 know if we were talking about anything else, we would say, well, this is when people aren't paying attention. I mean, in some ways, I think maybe early on when this began. I mean, if we I don't know if we talked about you know the potential timing of the trial before it was set during the podcast, but there there was you know I mean there's some. I mean, I was having some thoughts at the time about, you know, well, if they really wanted to just kind of bury this thing, do it in July. Right. You know, and by bury, I don't mean you're able to bury it, but, you know, limit the amount of attention that would be that would be brought to this. You know, that would be kind of when you would do this. Yeah. You know, now, I mean, it's kind of interesting. It speaks to the fact that I mean, in some ways you'd say, OK, yes, people haven't been paying attention to it. But now, actually, that the kids are back to school, people are getting back into kind of fall routines, the temperature is coming down, the physical, like the actual temperature, not the political right. temperature. It'll be interesting to see what happens as, as, as attention turns, you know, I'll say, as the political space in Texas is so universally focused on this one thing. And that's the other thing, too. There are other things competing this summer. They're still competing. Right. Having to do with, like, the border. Yeah, you know, but both the state level and certainly at the national yeah. level. I mean, the Trump, you know, it's been a very active summer for former President Trump and his legal travails. Put 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 another way, this is one story among many for voters to choose to ignore. Right, and and the baseline on this is a lot. You know, it was a lot lower. You know, in terms of just what we think of when we think about people's general knowledge and awareness of. Any attorney general, not just this one. That's right. And that's the thing I think it's important too, you know, is when we're talking about statewide, you know, statewide elected officials and their profiles, you know, the attorney general's a little bit down the list. You know, he's not the governor. You know, his numbers have historically looked closer to that of the lieutenant governors and since there's a larger share of people who don't hold an opinion uh, right. about him. And so what we found, you know, just to put the actual numbers out there, because I don't think we've actually covered them yet, only 31% of voters say that they've heard a lot about Ken Paxson's legal problems which was the same as in June. And the share who say that they've heard a lot about the trial, the impeachment and the upcoming trial is a little bit less than that, which is also kind of what we would expect at this point, right. given the trial hasn't actually started in earnest. And, and it's more specific. It's a more it, specific It's more specific thing. as opposed to all yeah. the possible things you might have heard about his legal problems. But the, but, the, but the point remains, you know, there's about a third of Texans who've been paying a lot of attention to this, you know, or maintaining that level of attention. And, you know, again, just, you know, say, We'll see what happens over the course of the trial, whether you know whether that number ticks up or not. I think there's reason to suspect it will, both because of you know the the duration of the trial and the and probably the intensity of coverage, yeah. but and also the fact that it's not summer. At the same time, you know there are a lot of other stories out there that are competing for attention, and you know we'll we'll see. This is pretty you know. There are a lot of people in court right now. There are a lot of people in court right now. <laughs> so given that, as you know, given these top lines, given what we've talked about this generally, you know, it, it seemed. Like, you know, we should talk about the upsides and downsides of this data for the two sides in the trial and, Mm -hmm. and for the attorney general himself. What do you know? So, so, so what do you think? Like, you know, let's start, you know, let's start with, you know, some indications that there's, if you're an ally of, of attorney general Paxson or your attorney general Paxson, you can see some upsides here, I think. Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, if they're not you, huge, but they're there. No, I mean, look, if you look at, at the at the mainstream media coverage that you know has taken place over the course of the summer, which is sort of, you know, I think re not litigate, it's not the right word at this point, but sort of rehashed a lot of the allegations against Pax and both, you know, related specifically to the impeachment, but sort of, you know, over the course of his entirety in office. Yeah. I mean, what I would say, they've, you know, I mean, they've, it's not as, as much, you know, I mean, this is just picking words. No, but, it's fine. I, but I mean, I think that it's not even so much, it, it, it's been a rehash, but it's because there has been 
a lot of revelation of yeah. the particulars and you know it, that's part of the 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 evidence gathering and disclosure process. I think I have a yeah. very like unique view on this which is sort of as someone who you know follows all this stuff you know almost you know so closely that it could be a, considered a problem. It's sort of like okay, you know if you've been following it as closely as I have or you know we have or whatever or some of you have you know, it's sort of like there were these revelations, you know, months and months and months, if not years ago. And then to the extent that like more detail have come out that have confirmed yeah. those revelations, to me, it doesn't feel new. But I think the reality is, is it, it doesn't yeah. change the fact that when you put, you know, meat on the bones, it does make yeah. it more real. And I think that's the thing. Well, and I think I, the mechanism of that is important, right? Because what's happened is, yeah. you know, we've had this back and forth, you know, a lot of motions right. and, you know, that spread out through June, July, August. When, you know, regular people weren't paying attention, but we've seen the release of, you know, a lot of motions, mm -hmm. volumes of evidence. Right. And then numerous news stories that have come out as reporters dig through all that right. evidence. Right. And I think those mechanisms are kind of interesting and important. Yeah. You know, to think about all that is going on. And, you know, there's been some very good reporting. Mm -hmm. And as I think as we were talking, as we discussed last week. You know, some of those motions for people like us were very interesting, sophisticated, mm -hmm. everything from the nitty gritty, sometimes kind of grimy details to large, you know, sort of big consequential yeah. constitutional systemic arguments. Right. And none of that's really seemed to have landed with the public very much. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's a that's a win for Paxton. I mean, I think, right. you know, to the extent that if you think about <laughs> if you think about, you know, the the coverage, you know, from the last few weeks around the house manager's response to Paxson's motions that included sort of this 4,000 page, you know, data dump that re you know, released all these new details to be covered. The fact is, is that doesn't seem to have moved the public dramatically or, you know, again, given limited attention. Either moved them or, or drawn or, their attention. Yeah, or drawn their attention. So that's <laughs> right. definitely a, a win for Paxton on the political side of this. You know, there's another, you know, uh, result in this poll that's also, I think, you know, a, a political win for, for Paxton, which is we asked uh, another question we asked basically is, you know, do you think that this investigation and the impeachment is mostly based on the facts or mostly based on politics? You know, question, you know, sort of we've seen a lot at the, at the national level right, regarding, not, regarding former President Trump. Right. And, and you know, and we, we may have asked similar types, types of questions about, about the president that we'll talk about next week. And the points of comparison and differences are interesting in and of themselves. But the baseline response- That's a teaser. That's a teaser. The baseline response among Republicans, you know, when asked this question about the impeachment trial here is to say, you know, on balance, it's it's more based on politics than than based on facts. So overall, 47% of voters say it's mostly based on, on facts, 28% mostly based on politics. But when you look at Republicans, those numbers are basically flipped. 48% say it's mostly based on politics, 23% say it's mostly based on facts. For Democrats, you know, three quarters say it's mostly based on facts. Independence more say it's based on facts and based on politics. But I think we have to take this in the context of like what we already said before, which is that people aren't attending to this that much. So I, when I look at this, I really, the way we set this up is I think the way that I would interpret this, which is, you know, this is really a, a pretty good reflection of some of the baseline response. And I think, you know, to the point of this is in the PACs and upside section of this discussion. This is, I think, you know, whether this is the baseline attitudes that this is just a political squabble, whatever, or whether, you know, the messaging that's kind of been put out about the idea that like, well, you know, this is about a Democratic run house or this is about, you know, so and so doesn't like Ken Paxton or so and so right. wants to be attorney general. You know, whether you think those arguments are patently ridiculous and unfounded or you believe that they make sense, 
the reality is that there's a there's a baseline, I think, you know, view in the Republican Party, especially to sort of be ready to accept this notion that this right. is just politics. These it's are almost a reflex. These are yeah, these are politicians point. having a political fight. So yeah, whatever. Right. And to repeat that number, that's you know, that's forty eight percent of Republicans. Mm-hmm. You know, with only a little less than a quarter saying, you know, twenty three percent saying that it was mostly based on the fact, and then the rest, roughly another quarter, Same. saying that they they don't know, haven't made up their mind, you know, don't offer an opinion. Right. So that's I think that's something that for Paxton, you know, you know, you'd think they're going to want to lean into that more and more. That this is, you know, this, I mean, it's interesting in some ways from the. <laughs> You know, from the moat, you know, going you know back and forth, how this jumps in and out of these different sort of you know dimensions of things. You know, from the side of the legal motions, they want to say this is a criminal process, not a political process. But actually, you know, from the public side, the idea that this is some political process run amok is actually something that you know probably provides them a little bit of value, right, in their base, right. In the absence, of, yeah, I mean, yeah, I th- I think is the starting point. It's a good one for them, right. You know, now whether that will carry the day, I mean, but but. You know, to, to, to look at this fairly through their eyes, I mean, you know, and again, it's good to keep in mind the mechanisms, right? That mm-hmm. the jury is the Senate. They are elected officials. Democrats are almost guaranteed to be negative vote, to mm-hmm. be to be votes against Paxton in, in some form or another. And so you're looking at Republican public opinion here as a way of, you know, sort of trying to figure out on both sides mm-hmm. how – how senators are going to evaluate their own electoral self-interest in this. Well, and it speaks to the message that's being thrown out there by PACs and allies, you know, sometimes quietly, sometimes loudly, when they say, boy, there's a lot of Republican senators who'd like to be attorney general. Right. And this is like, this is what they're they're speaking to when, right. they, when they say that. Which also does not make it untrue. It does not make it untrue. <laughs> <laughs> we should we should say. Sure. That is not the implication there. No. Um, but the implication about how it lands among voters, yes. Right. Um, so okay, so the, you know, so there are some things for the attorney general in these numbers that give them something to work with, or maybe you know might make them feel better. But more practically, give them something to work with as they think about what their strategy is. But you know, you can look at this class as half empty as well. You know, the numbers in August they haven't changed, but they weren't really great for him to begin with, right? right? I mean, most importantly. You know, in the near terms, I was saying, you know, among the Republican voters who are the constituents and voters of the jury of senators, Republicans is a group, and we were talking about the word to use for this, and there's more than one word, because we don't know for sure, can be seen as a group as either ambivalent or perhaps a little bit shading better for the attorney general, maybe, are withholding judgment, right? Right. You know, and so that's on balance, I would have to say that it makes it harder for Paxton, let's put it that way, that you've got a lot of, you know, if you've got a big chunk of voters, really the majority of voters are made up of people, of Republican voters who are either mm-hmm. leaning against you mm-hmm. or are open to the evidence yeah, and to maybe having their mind changed as the trial starts. That's going to really be about presenting a lot of evidence. Well, you know, it's funny. I mean, like, and this is just, you know say this a, what a shoddy social scientist I might be. I mean, you can use the same evidence to point in either direction, right? Yeah. So the same evidence that we said, you know, was kind of good for PACs and the fact that there wasn't a big shift in the electorate and their attitudes due to, you know, again, all the disclosures that came out over the last few weeks and months, you know, that's just something that, you know, again, they can hang their hat on and say, okay, good, we, we've gone through some of this. The flip side of that is, you know, I think one of the things that I was curious about in this poll was the extent to which, you know, many of the direct appeals, and we've talked, and I've talked a lot here about the, the information asymmetry here, you right. know, again, there are groups who are 
actively working, spending on Paxson's behalf, more or less, to make the case to Republicans that that basically he should not be impeached or this process is a sham. I mean, it's interesting. I drove to Houston and back over the last weekend. You see all the billboards up, you know, talking about how this is the dem- this is a Democratic power grab and all these things. But there's also no indication that that's worked either, at least in the in the broader right. electorate. Now, look, I mean, I should say- Because those billboards didn't just appear. No. And the thing is, now look, now we're talking about the entire statewide electorate, the entire statewide pool of Republican voters. The reality is, is I think, you know, as some reporting is indicating, you know, they're definitely starting to target those appeals very specifically yes. to specific Senate districts. However, you know, again, this is in the glass half full for- you know, or glasses half empty for PACs now, half full for the house managers, you know, at the same time, it doesn't appear as though, you know, we came, again, we didn't come back with the data and found, oh, you know, now 75% of Republicans say the house was unjustified in impeaching him and, you know, he should be let off. It's, that's not the picture we're painting. That's not the picture of the public's painting. And so that definitely, you know, I think, you know, the house managers have also escaped this window of trying, of this sort of attempts to persuade the public before the trial happens. Yeah. And I think it's fair to think about, you know, your average person or, you know, you don't even have to say your average person, a person that doesn't follow politics a lot. Mm-hmm. Your average You know, person. driving their kid between Austin and Houston for a soccer tournament yeah, or something. Sure. And they see this sign and how many people go, what is that? What is that? And then the other person, you know, Susan Carter goes, yeah, you know, uh, some political Whatever. thing. Yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean. Right. They're at it again. You know. Right. Uh, so it's an interesting tactic. We do see that there is support for Paxton where you would expect it to some degree, but even that is not quite as vigorous as one might think. You were looking at the 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 numbers, you know, looking at some of the you know the very precise tabs uh, in the in the latest poll among people who identify as extremely conservative. He's got a little more than half, right? Yeah, his job approval is at fifty four percent. You know, seventeen percent deficit approved, twenty nine percent don't know. I mean, you know, I think. Those are fine numbers, but not for Ken Paxton. Right. You know, I think that's kind of the way you you want you would look at that, right? I mean, for someone who's really based and staked his career, these on, are his people. These are his people, and so I think you know that's 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 going to be a problem for him. But you know, again, it's not overwhelming at this point. Yeah, it's not terrible. No, it's I'm, not just not very good. It's just not very good, right? Disappointing. Disappointing. Right. And similar with, you know, free, you know, I mean, you, I think you pulled out frequent church attendees, right? Yeah. And we have a few different measures of this. Right. And, and this are people who attend church more than once a week, basically. And, and you know, here we find 44% approving of his job performance, 28% disapproving, 30% don't. Now, now again, that's going to be a mix of some Democrats, some Republicans, yeah. but generally speaking, more Republicans than Democrats. And so that's, again, you know, looking at his constituency, that's not exactly where he wants to be, but- right. You know, but this also fits into sort of again in terms of the bad news for Pax, and this fits into sort of the the bigger picture of I think maybe some of the, the worst news for him in all of this, which is just his overall job approval numbers. Right. I mean, you you promised we'd come back to that, and we've kind of transitioned into that. So, you know, even though most of the you know data shows that the direct judgments about the impeachment trial removal process and even awareness were pretty were you know more or less static. There was some movement in his job approval numbers, right? And it was not in the right direction for him. Right. So, I mean, you can pick any point in time. I mean, I think it's interesting to go back to December of 2022 because it was a high point for Paxson. He just won re-election. You know, statewide, his approval was 41 approved, 37 disapproved, which doesn't sound, you know, amazing. But again, this is a this is a competitive state in terms of, you know, in terms of the electorate, there's a lot of Democrats, there's more Republicans. Generally, we don't see anybody blowing these numbers out of the water. So if you're on the right side, you feel pretty good about it. He was plus four then. Right. You know, we looked to, you know, after the impeachment in June, 
uh, his approval went from 41 in December down to 30. Right. Even even from April, it dropped nine points from 39 to 30 in June. And then it dropped another three points in August down to 27. Looking to get at his disapproval, it went from 35 in April to 41 in June to 46 in August. And, you know, so one, these represent the lowest approval numbers of, you know, basically at least our time series going back to April of 2021, uh, the highest disapproval numbers. And, and But most importantly, you know, this isn't entirely a democratic phenomenon here. So what we also find is he's got his highest, I'm sorry, his lowest approval numbers among Republicans in the time series. He's only at 46 uh, percent approving. You know, he's been as high as 73 percent right. in this poll. Uh, he was even 51 uh, in June. He was 65 before the impeachment and for two surveys in both February and April among Republicans. So he's dropped almost 20 points in his approval among Republican voters. Right. And then his disapproval is up to 23 points. If we go back, you know, again to to, to February of 2023, the beginning of the year, he only had 9% disapproving. Then in April, it was 13. June, it's 19. August, it's 23. So there is movement going on, and it's not in the right direction. The trend the trend for Paxton is not, you know, going in the way that he'd like it to. Right. And, then, you know, there's something, you know, interesting to me about that. I mean, we always talk about, I mean, we talk, you know, we ask people these specific processes. Yeah. And we get these static results. But the overall, you know, I mean, it, it, you know, it leads one to kind of think that whether you ask somebody or you pay attention to this, they say no, that, you know, for some people, it's kind of seeping in. It's in the ether. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think I agree with that. I mean, I think it's it's in the ether. And, and then part of it is just, look, you know, you may not be listening, but, you know, you are, I mean, to some extent, I think there is like some basic catalog to the extent that, you know, if, if you listen to Drive Time Radio or you listen to whatever, even if you're not listening closely or drawing significant conclusions or really trying to, you know, pull out the detail, the main point is, is that, you know, for the last month and a half or more, you know, well, actually really the whole entirety of the summer, if you see Paxton's name in the news, it's attached to something negative. Right. And I right. think that's what you're kind of seeing there, even if you're not necessarily sure about the details. And look, the details are complicated. I mean, I've had lots of people who who know things and right. follow this stuff even reasonably closely ask me about the details and say, oh, Okay. I didn't realize that, like, that's what this is. That's how all these things are connected. Part, that, you know, that's that's what they're talking about, and this is how they're all well, connected. Well, and here's the thing. I mean, just to be fair, like, if I were to say, and I don't, I don't want you to answer this question. but Thank be, you. But if I were to say to you, or if someone were to say to me, hey, what is this Paxton impeachment trial really about? I'd have to sit and think for a second about how I'd, like, what would I respond with right. first? What would I say is, you know, well, the thing that's really the problem is this, or it's really that, or whatever. I mean, you know, in some ways, what comes to my mind is actually a political response is, you know, he went to the house and asked for $3.3 million and didn't want to tell him why. <laughs> right. You know, which does sound kind of like a political thing, but there is a lot under the under this that is sort of, you know, it's complicated and it's detailed and that's just not for most people. Right. No, I think that's fair. Now, uh, you know, we're going to wind down, but I will, you know. We'll we'll end on a nerdy note, uh, mm. a nerdy slow, you know slash arguing with ourselves note. Yeah, it does seem to me, you know, possibly fair that an astute listener, whether pro Paxton, anti Paxton, or just neutral or just hostile towards us or whatever, yeah, sure. <laughs> you know, might might ask, you know, given that he's suspended, he's been suspended from his job since June, isn't talking about these job approval numbers a little weird? I mean. On one sense, if the guy hasn't been in his job, yeah, his job approval numbers are going to go down. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and I think that's that's fair. And I guess we thought about this because we did we tweaked we tweaked the wording slightly. Right. We basically said has done as opposed to is doing. Right. You know? So you know, on every other job approval for an incumbent, we say, you know, how would you say 
yeah. Governor Abbott or whoever is doing is, as is governor, doing, is doing as lieutenant governor. Yeah, how good a job is he? Yeah, how would you yeah, how would you rate the job he's doing as governor or whatever? So we use present tense. And in this, we just- We tweaked. We tweaked it ever so slightly. Now I can see where people are well, you know. Yeah, look, I think, I mean, look, it's fair. And this is one of those things where, you know, you're, you know, I'm just going to appeal to my own authority, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, and please. I, and what I'm going to say is, is, you know, having done this for a long time, I would say, you know, look, I think that's a valid criticism. Do I think that would account for a few points? Maybe. Because there could, look, the, the argument is there's some Republicans out there who who love Ken Paxton and say, you know, the way that guy screwed up was getting impeached. Right. And I don't like that. I, he should be getting back to the job and doing it, right? Now, look. Do I think that accounts for the, the the numbers we're seeing here? No, because when we look at the other numbers, right? Yeah. What we find is Republicans sort of, you know, again, mostly kind of split on this issue, right? Yeah. Which means there's uh, there's lots of Republicans out there, honestly, who you know think the House is justified in impeaching him, who think he's done something wrong, and may you know have ultimately updated their judgment. That's the much more plausible scenario that explains where most of this change has come from. I'm not saying some of it might not have come from some yeah. people who think like, well, yeah, he's screwed up because he's not AG anymore. Yeah. How could he be doing a good job if he's not in the job, but, you know, smarty pants? If I were just pulling a number out of wherever, I'd say, yeah, maybe that <laughs> accounts for like four percentage points. Maybe. Because again, that, that really implies a much more sophisticated read of what's going on than most of right. what we'd expect. Yeah. And, and I think it's fair as we talk about- you that's, know, <laughs> that's not too dismissive. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, when we talk about the general sense of, again, this kind of ambient awareness because, of, you know, without a whole lot of attention, the decline over time does tell us, you know, something about, you know, a, a weakening in the sturdiness of his support. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. You know, because even if people are going to not give him a positive job rating because they say, well, he got kicked out of the job, but otherwise he was great. That's a lot of things. And 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 it's still, in the end, a negative judgment. Well, and look, I'm just going to put it this way, you know, with another famous Republican politician who's had lots of legal problems, we see no such right. s- significant decline in, in assessments of, of him. Yeah. And I think that's, and I think that's a good, you know, as we, as we wind it down and kind of step back, that's a good meta point here. Yeah. I wouldn't and can't speak for what the attorney general or his supporters might be thinking strategically mm-hmm. and in terms of, you know, looking at the national environment and thinking that the way that former President Trump has handled this in some ways mm-hmm. is maybe a good model. And I, you know, I can do that too. You know, and there has been some indications of, you know, delay tactics and mm-hmm. attacking the media, calling it all politics, which right. does have some resonance. But I think, you know, and we'll be able to elaborate this a little bit more, but even based on trend data to date, it's pretty clear that Ken Paxton is not Donald Trump yes. in terms of the depth of attachment um, and, and you know, the kind of, you know, fierce allegiance that we see among Republicans to Donald Trump in in the face of great adversity and and negative <laughs> context, right, and, right? You know, any number of you know negative stimulation writ large, mm-hmm. right? I think that that's one of the things that you have to kind of compare this, and that's a, a little bit of a, of a teaser for next week. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, so I you know you wind this up, you know, to be a little repetitive, maybe. I mean, it does seem that trying to figure out, you know, what people are, you know, what people might make of these numbers, there are some aspects of this that give the attorney general something to work with, mm-hmm. you know, particularly this idea that there is kind of a baseline assumption that doesn't just apply to him that he can tap into right. that 
almost any kind of conflict you see is mostly about politics. Yeah, political vendettas. The process is going to be about politics and it's not going to be about the institutional stakes that we've talked about. Mm -hmm. But that said, it does seem likely that in the near term, as the media coverage ramps up dramatically and look, Mm -hmm. you know, you and I both know from, you know, talking to reporters and phone calls, we're getting a little experiencing this, that there is going to be a lot of coverage and it's going to be not just in the web outlets and the newspapers and, you know, the political journals that people like us read, it's going to be leading the local newscasts, which are polling tells us people pay a lot of attention to. A lot of people say they get their news from their local, they get their political news from their local newscast. And in terms of the facts that will be the focus of that coverage that are likely to come out, Mm -hmm. the airing out in a much more public way of some of the details that are in that evidence, the new witness testimony, that the news is only going to get more negative for the attorney general, unless, of course, the charges are simply dismissed next Tuesday. There's yeah. a motion to dismiss. That is a possibility. I I, I don't personally don't think it doesn't seem it's like very it. likely. It doesn't yeah. seem it seems like less that's... likely after. Yeah, because I, my understanding was that, you know, the, the Senate mess get, met yesterday and could have behind closed doors dismissed some of the charges and chose not to. Right. And and. One of the senators in that in that meeting, to my understanding, told a reporter recently that they expected, you know, this trial could go on for three or four weeks, which yeah. is actually even longer. I heard four to six. Or four to six, yeah. actually. I think that's right, which is even long, you know, it was longer than we had been thinking and certainly longer than they'd been signaling. And so if that's the case, you know, really all we're going to get is more public elaboration of the evidence and and the surrounding details, you know, for example, and- you know, if you're the Paxton people, you wouldn't like the story, and I think yeah. you'd be justified in not liking it. Right. But, you know, today's AP story that's in circulation that hit again, and it's not the first time this particular story has been mm-hmm. written, all those couple of new details about, you know, the attorney general's apparent love of perks and that he's kind of, you know, an allegedly stingy and kind of cheap guy. You know, he takes the cake, literally. Well, I thought, I mean, it was interesting to say that, you know, he's, he's tri- done more trips out of state than the governor and lieutenant governor combined. Right. You know? and, and, you know, that kind of, again, if, you know, if you're, if you're, you don't Paxton, want to respond to that. You could see why you, you know, you're going to hate that story and think, oh, come on, tell me you really had to write the story per se, but going to be a lot of stories like that. And it's not out of necessarily out of bias. You know, the, there is going to be, there already is, and there will be more churning and competition among reporters to find new information, new angles. Yeah you know, new frames for this story. And it's just very unlikely that that's going to be good for the attorney general, for the suspended attorney general. And as we're wrapping up here, I think, you know, in some ways, you know, there's a way you can look at this point and another point we made and see how, you know, one of, you know, Paxson's advantages could turn into something of a disadvantage here, right? Which is, you know, throughout this process, there've been very few people who are, who are say, who are really defending the actions of Ken Paxson. They've been attacking the process. And that speaks to this idea that it's political. You know, as more and more details come out that involve, you know, witness testimony, leading evening newscasts, local newscasts saying, well, yeah, you know, he did that. I'm not even we're not even talking about whether he did it, but we're saying he shouldn't be impeached for it. It's like, yeah, that's a tough. I think that's a heavy lift at some point is if people do start to become more aware of, you know, some of the fact patterns that we're talking about here. It's sort of like, you know, because it's one of the things like, well, yeah, I mean, who cares if the attorney general is using a burner phone? 
Yeah, and, and to go back to you know, I mean, yeah. just you know, and it's kind of like, yeah, I mean, that's just not a place yeah. that I would want to be from a crisis communication standpoint, right? Yeah, and to go back to one of our results, the only you know real fight against you know, I mean, the, the real buttress, you know, the foundation for that kind of argument that like you know, he didn't, this isn't really, it's just politics, yeah, is to tap into that sentiment that the whole process is just about political competition. And as you say, that gets really harder to do as the facts come out. Well, that's right. And I think, you know, what, what makes that argument powerful in the moment is is the absence of attention. Right. And people's sort of unfamiliarity with with the facts. And the thing is, you know, yeah. I'm one thing that I know is gonna happen, we are going to get a full recitation of these facts. It's a fallback attitude and, you know, to, to end of, you know, maybe even a slight little twin, you know, bit yeah. of political science. You know, we're already now, as, as the trial is getting closer, beginning to see elite cues from well, you know, reasonably well-known Republicans that are putting distance between themselves and Paxton. Mm-hmm. You know, last week it was Rick Perry. The last couple of days, John Senator John Cornyn. Mm-hmm. One would very fairly say, well, yeah, 1997 called and they want their Republicans back or something. Yeah. But- it's hard not to feel like that's going to be the leading edge as people begin to feel like they have to commit as it becomes more salient, as they get asked more about it, mm-hmm. as the facts come out and there's more pressure to come down on one side or the other. Right. That's something we'll be watching. Well, and there's one thing that's true, that is clear here is, you know, nobody's going to save Ken Paxton if it's going to hurt them. Right. And I think, you know, we've been saying that, you know, that the the balance of people's self-interest and, you know, kind of the rubbers meet in the road right now. Yep. And or will as of Tuesday. For sure. So, with that, thank you for listening. You can find these new poll results at our website. They'll be plastered all over it at texaspolitics.utexas.edu. And also, if you want to get the jump on when and when and what we're going to release next week, all of our blog posts on that website have a, a form that you can fill out and get on our mailing list. If you're not already on it, it's not a heavy mailing list. Mostly, we flag poll relevant news or poll data relevant to news in Texas and signal when we're releasing new data. So with that, thanks to Josh for being here. Thanks again to our excellent production team in the dev studio in the College of Liberal Arts at UT Austin, without whom we could not do this. And thank you for listening. And we'll be back soon with another second reading podcast. Second Reading Podcast is a production of the Texas Politics Project at the University of Texas at Austin.